0: What's going on, guys? Welcome into the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. As you can tell, this is not. Bobby. Unfortunately, we'll be without him for today's episode as he is dealing with a personal matter. We obviously wish him nothing but the best and we'll uh, miss his hot takes on this episode and I'm guessing we're going to have him back for next week's show, so don't worry about that. So I'm going to be hosting the show today and for those who might be listening for the first time, I'm Mike Taglier and our guest today is one that I should have just given the hosting duties to himself uh, as he's done it quite a bit over the last few years. One of the most down-to-earth guys in the industry, I'm talking about Fantasy Labs, Matt Friedman matt thanks for hopping on today we had uh, a lot of good feedback the last time you were on the show
1: oh yeah thanks for having me it was fun and it's uh, great to be back again
0: no for sure how was your thanksgiving man
1: uh it was epic i ate a lot of pie too
0: much pie
1: <laughs> Um, So (laughs) I I feel like I had to go through like a pie detox, you know, like earlier in the week. But I'm back to my normal self now.
0: I always make the mistake of starting a diet like the week before Thanksgiving. And then I just put myself through hell. So this week I actually learned and I was like, no, I'm not going to start my diet until afterwards. So I'm on that diet grind now. But um, what's your favorite pie? I've been told. So I was told. So we have like three different families that we have to go to for Thanksgiving. I was told that I am basically out of my mind that thinking that cherry pie is like a top three pie.
1: Uh okay. I am actually right there with you. Uh now I think it it depends on like I don't like store bought cherry pie. Well I mean I guess it depends on the store. And frankly I never met a pie I didn't like. So whatever. If it's a pie, (laughs) I'll eat it. But you know like the homemade uh like cherry pie where like the the cherries like they're almost like a little sour. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. like they they taste like like real cherries. That, I think, is second to none, except for Thanksgiving where you make the exception for pumpkin pie. So, you yep. know, like pumpkin pie, it's a classic. And then, you know, some people prefer sweet potato pie to pumpkin pie. That's fine. But I think cherry pie, for me, that's that's up there. And then I also like uh, homemade, you know, like real pecan pie. Um, you know, like with pecans, like from the South and like made with bourbon from Kentucky and a recipe from Louisiana, you know, like, like sort of like down home, pecan pie i think that's really good too wow
0: i need to uh, obviously get down with that that sounded like a lot of words but it sounded awfully good especially considering i'm on a diet so <laughs> everything <laughs> sounds good to me at this point yeah. uh, <laughs> but we should set up a show warning right now you will not hear blaine gabbert mentioned as a tournament play on this show though bobby would like me to remind you that there's a three percent chance that he wins you a million dollars i just wanted to get that out of the way uh but all in all seriousness we're gonna have a hell of a show today where matt and i sit and discuss our favorite uh dfs players we we talk about cash game plays in the first half of the episode. And then as we get towards the back end of the show, we're going to talk about our favorite tournament plays. Uh, and for those who don't know at home, if you're, you're trying to get into DFS, cash games is basically head-to-heads, double-ups, 50-50s, where all you have to do is beat 50% of the field, whether it's one guy, whether it's five guys, whatever. Uh, and then the tournaments is obviously when you're trying to win yourself a large sum of money. Those are the players that you're going to have to take a little bit of risks on. So uh, as always, you guys can follow us on Twitter. If you have any questions after the show, you can find Matt at Matt F., the Oracle and as always you can find me on Twitter at Mike taglier NFL. So let's start in uh, talking about cash game lineups. Let's start with quarterbacks. What quarterback is catching your eye this week? Is there a few of them or is there one that you're kind of uh, sticking your guns to?
1: Yeah, there are a couple and uh so for people who are fine with paying up, I think you know Brady is a a pretty nice option. Uh he's running so hot right now. Uh even without uh Marcus Cannon right tackle uh being in and even without Chris Hogan Uh, He's still just functioning at such a high level. Uh, It's amazing that he's, you know, getting better as he's getting older, but that seems to be the case. Um, He doesn't have a great matchup. Uh, against Buffalo, there's nothing like especially exploitable about the matchup. Um, But he's just been so consistent that for people who have like the roster construction, where it works for them to pay up for quarterback, I think he makes sense. And then uh, a couple of cheaper guys, Josh McCown is, uh, I mean, it sounds so weird to mention him, but he's playing very (laughs) well right now. Uh, And then Tyrod Taylor, uh, on the other side of that matchup with New England, he's actually done fairly well within division and then also at home, uh, specifically against new England. And he has that Konami code rushing capability where even if he doesn't have a great game, uh, he can do enough with his legs to compensate for his lack of throwing ability. And both of those guys are fairly cheap. So it wouldn't take much for them to meet their, uh, their salary based expectations.
0: Yeah. So Taylor was someone that when I first started looking at the slate in general, I figured he'd be like a cash game option. You figure game script's going to be good. And I still think it is going to be good. But does it worry you at all that New England has really, really stepped up their game? Like over the first, uh, it was over the first seven weeks of the season, they allowed at least 17 fantasy points to every quarterback. Like everybody was thrown for 300 yards. You get 300 yards, you get 300 yards. But over the last four weeks, they haven't allowed a quarterback to throw for more than 237 yards or one touchdown. Obviously, the rushing ability is going to be there for Tyrod. But is this a point where, you know, we, 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 we overlook him just because we know the rushing floor is there, right? But does he come with a ceiling that, that can make up if you miss somewhere else? That's my concern with Taylor this week. Yeah,
1: that's a really good question. And I think you're right. I don't think he does have that same ceiling, um, you know, but at the same time, looking at the quarterbacks that the Patriots have faced. Uh, you know, I mean, they faced, I don't remember, was it Osweiler in in his first game? Yeah. You know, uh, Derek Carr in Mexico. Uh, and then last week, uh, you know, I think it was like, it was Matt Moore. Like, it's just, Mm -hmm. you know, so. And then before that, they had uh, Matt Ryan in the fog, you know, like there have been some circumstances where, although, I mean, clearly they have been playing better defensively than they did in the first month of this season. I still think they've had some advantageous situations, Um, but I do agree. I don't think Tyrod has the upside, but I think he has a fairly high floor. But if, if people disagreed with me on Tyrod, I, you know, it's, it's fine. Like he got benched two games ago. Like I understand why there would be hesitation with Tyrod. One other guy I I mentioned quickly, and I, (laughs) I know we weren't going to mention him, but Blaine Gabbert is intriguing to me because he's cheap and he also is playing well. And, uh, the Rams defense is a little bit beat up right now with Connor Barwin, who's likely to be out. So not as much of a pass rush. And then, uh, their slot corner, Nicole Roby Coleman, uh, I think is potentially going to be out. I think he's questionable right now. So that would be more potential goodness on the connection with Fitzgerald in the
0: slot. That's interesting. I'll take a closer look at that. I I'm, I'm, I'm one with Gabbert where it's like in the preseason, I saw him. I thought he looked really good, uh, for, for a quarterback that was left for dead for, by everyone. Everybody talked about Bruce Arians being this quarterback guru, and maybe he did do something with him. So maybe it's something I should look at a little bit closer, but I'm about to say something that, Nobody really wants to hear, and I feel like I'm on an island. I haven't heard anybody else say his name this week, uh, but Trevor Simeon at 4,800 on DraftKings is really enticing to me in cash, and I say that because when you when you go down to 4,800, it allows you to do a lot of things with your roster, right? The, the reason I like Simeon is if you go through his game log this year, the teams that he's really struggled against have been decent defenses. We're talking about Miami, a team that has been really, really struggling as of late. They've allowed 16 passing touchdowns in their last six games, including 10. In their last three games, they also just lost their best edge defender, William Hayes, for the year. This is a team that's in complete disarray. The Broncos have zero run game. Uh, CJ Anderson and Devonte Booker just aren't getting it done. Uh, you know, the biggest totals that we're seeing out of Booker are through the passing game. So it's very possible. Trevor Simeon, the way I look at it in cash games, Matt, I don't know if you do the same thing, is like, you know, the the multiplier, we're looking for two and a half mm-hmm. times. So at 4,800, you basically need Trevor Simeon to score you 11 and a half points and he hits value for you in cash. And I just think that that's like a given considering the opponent this week. Am I out of my mind to think Trevor Simeon's a solid cash play?
1: No. It, I mean, he's someone who's there, I think, in the conversation. One thing that makes, I think, the cash quarterback um, conversation so difficult this week is that there isn't like a clear game right. where it's like uh, the the total is high and you know, the quarterback has a great matchup. It's, the games are fairly even this week. And I think it's made all the harder by the fact that you have the... Uh, the Seahawks and Eagles game available on FanDuel, but not on DraftKings, right? So, mm-hmm. like, just uh, some unevenness between the, the two slates there. But I understand Simeon. And as you mentioned, like, he does have a very good matchup. I, I think I would go a little bit with Gabbert over Simeon there. I mean, he's, he's 100 cheaper. Not that that makes that big of a difference, but it's something in. Right. Uh, Gabbert, has hit expectations. The thing is like, if you look at, uh, so we have a trends tool at at fantasy labs where you can sort of slice and dice. And if you look at Gabbert in his post Jacksonville starts, so 15 starts, most of them with the 49ers over the last two years, uh, he is hitting his salary based expectations, a really high percentage of the time. And some of that, I mean, it's not pretty, but a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's a pretty decent runner. Um, at least he he displayed that capability with San Francisco the last two years. So I think he also has something of, of a rushing floor. And uh, just with the, the receiving options that he has and with Arians, I don't know, like he's played the two best games of his career, probably in the mm-hmm. past two weeks. And I I mean, I understand the case for Simeon. Much better matchup. No question. Much better matchup. I just uh, I don't know. I think I would go Don't have
0: faith in the player. Yeah, I think I would go as weird as this sounds. I think I would go with Gabbert over Simeon. That's an interesting debate. We should come up with like a prop bet about that. Uh, (laughs) But um, no. So one more quarterback I wanted to mention in cash that I I, I don't know if a lot of people are going to play him. I think a lot of people are going to float like gravitate to Philip Rivers this week against Cleveland, but he's not the one I wanted to mention. It was uh, Marcus Mariota. And coming off the game against Indy, I know a lot of people are really concerned about him. He's obviously thrown six interceptions over the last two weeks. Uh, he only threw the ball 25 times last week, obviously limiting his production. This team against Houston is going to struggle to run the ball. Houston's been a really good run defense all year. Last week was the first game since week one. They have allowed a lot of rushing touchdown. So you have to figure that the run game is going to struggle a little bit. This is a Houston defense that ever since losing J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless back in week five... Every quarterback not named Joe Flacco and Kevin Hogan has scored a ridiculous amount of fantasy points. It's actually at least 19 fantasy points outside of those two guys uh, for every quarterback. So it's just like it's it's a stomping ground for quarterbacks. And I understand Marcus Mariota isn't like the safest quarterback as of right now, but we've seen him use his legs as uh, most recent as week 10 when he ran for 51 yards. So his price at 6,200. I mean, I don't think that that's really bad. And if you look at his game log, he's only scored fewer than 14 points twice the entire season. So his floor has arguably been intact. He just hasn't come with the ceiling that I think most people expected him to.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely hear you there, uh, and again, as you mentioned, the matchup is really nice. The Texans, over the course of the season, so that includes the games that they had with Watt and Merciless, uh, they've allowed top two fantasy marks to opposing quarterbacks, so guys have just gone off on them. So mm-hmm. I think if you're in that price range uh, for quarterbacks, he's a guy who uh, who can definitely... Uh, not lose your matchup for you
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's how that's what I'm kind of hoping is like I think I'd rather go up from Tyrod and that's the the two I was looking at it's like typically safety is what we're looking for around that price range so uh, I would go up from Tyrod I think to pay for Mariota so moving on to some running backs because I think we covered all the cash game quarterbacks that I would even consider Mm -hmm. Uh, but running backs this week Let's let's start up top. Let's say if you want to pay up for a running back, you're 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 spending seven thousand or more. What running back do you want on your team?
1: <sighs> so uh, there were two guys who were really catching my eye, and uh, so I'm not in a Melvin Gordon truther by any means. Uh, he's inefficient. Um, But he gets, you know, he gets touches even with the emergence of Austin Eckler. He's still getting touches. He gets goal line touches. He still functions in the receiving game. And he's at home as a 14 point favorite uh, against the Browns. And even though the Browns, uh you know if you look at their rushing DVOA on defense uh they're still pretty efficient pretty stout against the run it kind of doesn't matter if you're 14 point dogs on the road mm-hmm. like the other team is going to run on you at some point just because they can uh and gordon has such high touchdown equity just because like that's where his value is he scores touchdowns that's how they use him so uh if you can get gordon uh as a home favorite and uh in a spot where he has a high probability of scoring a touchdown. Uh I can see that. And then also Alvin Kamara. Um you know there's something that sits uneasily I think with uh DFS players about rostering a guy as he continues to get increasingly more expensive. But Kamara has still hit uh value every game this season. So, and like, he's the only player in the NFL, uh, or at least the only regular player, like discounting someone who's like played two games or something like that, but the only regular player in the NFL to hit value in every game. So the salary hike, it makes sense. It's warranted. Uh, and at some point there will be regression because no guy can play as efficiently as explosively as Kamara has over the course Mm -hmm. of the season but even with regression he's still just a big play explosive guy and they're playing at the superdome I, you know i i still like him in this spot so i don't have a problem with paying up for kamara
0: yeah kamara i'm i'm definitely on board with that because he does a lot more in the receiving game uh the the Panthers have allowed four running backs to total six or more receptions against them this year. We obviously know he's the primary pass catcher. It's going to be really tough for them to do something on the ground against Carolina. Carolina has just been so stiff against running backs. But moving over to, I want to say Leonard Fournette. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who are going to be scared about Fournette just because of the way he played last week. And it was it was a really tough matchup against Arizona the week before that. People were worried about his ankle like nobody's played him in a while. And people have kind of forgotten how good he was at the start of the season before he injured his ankle. He hadn't finished worse than than the RB 15. And that's in PPR formats where he wasn't expected to be very good. And I just feel like this is such a smash spot. Like the Jaguars have kind of gone from a team that knew exactly what they wanted to do and they did it and they've gone to a team that's been throwing the ball a lot more than they should uh Blake Blake Bortles is not going to win you games you're not going to make it through the playoffs on Blake Bortles' shoulders they need to get back to running the ball and against Indianapolis at home big favorites this game screams Leonard Fournette 25 carries and it wouldn't shock me if he scores two touchdowns in this game. Indy's defense has just been shook up nonstop, and a lot of it's their secondary. But I think that he's like a can't miss play this week. I do like Gordon though. I think Gordon's a great tournament play. I think he's going to be under owned, uh, considering what people think about Cleveland, and it's it's the same reason that Joe Mixon last week. I liked Mixon, but he it's it's a shame because Melvin Gordon didn't get a, a decrease in his price nearly as much as Joe Mixon did last week. So one is there one player here that you would advise people not to play like. As for me, I would say LaShawn McCoy is probably off my radar.
1: Yeah, I think he's off the radar too. Um, you know, do we want to move to some of the the lower priced guys? Because uh, like Ken, yeah. Kenyon Drake, uh, I think he's going to be fairly popular, uh, even though he has a tougher matchup against Denver. But he's so cheap, and it looks like he's going to be you know the guy there in that backfield with Damian Williams expected to be out. Um, but mm-hmm. Kenny and Drake, like, I, I understand why it makes sense to roster him, but he's very inconsistent. Even if he's explosive, there are games in which he's been very inconsistent. So I don't know. I, I, I he, <laughs> I'm like, I'm, he gives me pause, you know, like I just, I have to evaluate him more.
0: And it's also a situation where the wide receivers for the uh, Dolphins should be able to step up in this game where Noah keep Talib, This is a Broncos team. That's allowed two more passing touchdowns than any other team in yeah. the NFL. Uh, they've just they they're not they're not even close to the same team it's kind of a joke what the Broncos have turned into and not knowing that they're losing to is just a bit a bigger blow to them so I would I would I'd be, I'd be with you I'd say that Kenyon Drake is probably going to be bad chalk I don't think he's going to be like necessarily a horrible play I just don't think his his potential is near what you would want it to be when you're paying 5,000 for him I'd rather play Burkhead and he's a hundred bucks cheaper
1: mm-hmm. you know I'd like to get your thoughts on Jordan Howard uh so you know on the Bears they're at home as favorites which you know is fairly rare for them to be favored um, <laughs> yeah. you know they're in a run heavy system with Trubisky as the quarterback and they're playing the 49ers who allow the most fantasy points in the league to the position. And the 49ers have been bad forever. Uh you know since Harbaugh left. Uh so the the question is though do you feel comfortable In cash, going with Jordan Howard, knowing that it could be a situation that if things don't go perfectly right for the Bears, that Howard doesn't get the touches he probably needs to get to return value.
0: I do feel comfortable playing in this week and I, the reason why obviously the Bears their team I'm very close and I, I watch every single week I see every single play all that fun stuff so the Bears Jordan Howard the John Fox is basically on the verge of getting fired uh, the the team the, the way that the team has gone the last four weeks they've been letting Trubisky throw the ball 30 plus times and it's really not working out uh, when you have receivers that they do it's obvious that's going to happen they don't have a tight end there's so many problems with, with doing that now the Bears in games where they've been able to remain competitive they never veer away from the run mm-hmm. they don't say oh we're gonna take what the defense gives us. No, they're going to run the ball a lot. And this is one where Garoppolo starting does worry me a little bit, but knowing that it's his first game in this system, knowing he doesn't, he doesn't really have a number one wide receiver either. Uh, Marquise Goodwin, you know, he's five, nine. So it's, it's hard to say that he's a number one receiver, but I do like Howard. I just, I, I don't see any way in this game where San Francisco jumps out to a two touchdown lead, which would be the only way that they'd go away from Howard in the run game. I actually think that him and Cohen this week are going to combine for 35, maybe 40 carries. Like, do you remember that Baltimore game that the Bears played? Yeah. They ran the ball. I think it was like 45 times or something like that. It was like the highest total in like a long time. Uh, like, one of the highest games all time in terms of running the football, how many times they did. I just feel like this is a matchup like this where John Fox at home, the Bears defense has played better at home. Uh, there, there's just nothing to dislike about this matchup for Jordan Howard. So I do think that he's one of the safest plays. It just sucks that he doesn't really catch passes out of the backfield.
1: Yeah, I see that. Do you have any thoughts on Jaquiz Rodgers? So I think he's another guy in that cheap category as a, an injury fill-in who could get some, uh, some more carries. Um, but not a great matchup against the Packers, not a horrible matchup, but it's not great. Mm -hmm. And then there's also the potential that he will get vultured by Peyton Barber. Uh, So (laughs) I'm curious what you what you are thinking about him. But I could see some people going with him in cash just because of the salary savings.
0: Right. And I understand wanting to find someone at that cheap level that, you know, is going to get, you know, you're supposed to get, I should say, 15 touches or whatever. Uh, And that would obviously be ideal. My issue here is that they it it makes no sense because early in the free agency period they made it a point to sign Jaquiz Rogers. I felt like Rogers should have went to the Chargers. I felt like it was a good fit. Obviously Ackiller is filling the role that I thought Jaquiz Rogers could do. Uh, but Knowing that he stayed there, I was like, okay, if Doug Martin struggles, because they said that they weren't going to just give him the job. Doug Martin has extremely struggled over the last, you know, two months of the season, and they've done nothing. And uh, even last week when he went down with a concussion, Jaquiz Rogers was splitting carries with Peyton Barber, losing goal line touches. That's my concern. Another concern is that they've just lost two starting offensive linemen this this offensive line wasn't great to begin with. I think that they're a team that probably wants to run the ball, but I don't think they're a team that necessarily can at this point in time. It does help that... Uh why do I keep, uh, I keep missing his name for whatever reason, uh, Packers are missing on their defensive line, their best interior defensive, uh, Frank Clark, they're missing him on the defensive line. And that's obviously a big upgrade, but at the same time, I haven't seen anything out of the Bucks run game to make me want to play them. Um, I think if you're going to go down in like to that territory, Adrian Peterson is a good play this week. Uh, I know you talked about Gabbert and if Gabbert continues to open up stuff in the passing game. Adrian Peterson is 4,800 this week, and he's a player that's been like really hit or miss all year. And it's almost like you could pick point, uh, pick the spots that he's going to struggle. Now, I know people are going to point back to the last time they played the Rams where he had 11 carries, uh, 21 yards. That's it. He caught four passes for 12 yards, I think. So that game was his second trip to London in three weeks. That's obviously going to affect you, especially when you're you know a 32 year old running back that you know is, is trying to make it back in the NFL. The other two games he struggled against Seattle, at Houston, the Rams have been one of the most giving teams to running backs. I just feel like he's a really safe play, and in going up 500 bucks to get to him, and the fact that he's seeing some more targets in the passing game, I'd just rather play Peterson. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely see what you're saying there.
0: Now, what do you feel about Burkhead, Deion Lewis? Is there one that you would prefer out of the two on DraftKings? Because Deion Lewis, while he's playing well, and I think he's the safest running back play for the Patriots, he kind of hasn't given you any upside, even though he's getting the goal line work most of it until last week, Burkhead did, but he's 500 more uh, than Burkhead. Would you, which one would you rather play at the two? Uh, you know, I think I would,
1: I, neither for cash. I think for GPPs, I'd have more interest, but not for cash.
0: That's fair. Is there any other running backs that you're considering in cash?
1: Not really. I mean, I think we've we've hit the guys. Um, yeah, looking through the list, I think we've hit the guys.
0: Yeah, no, I, I feel strongly about that too. My two favorite ones, honestly, are Fournette and Howard, uh, those two. And then like, again, once you go down to the cheaper ranges, I think Peterson is a solid play in cash. I don't, I'm, I mean, I don't think he's a bad tournament play either, but I think in cash, he's a bit safer. Going over to the wide receivers, I'm, I made our, our, a bold prediction on our podcast uh, yesterday saying that Mike Evans is going to go for over 100 yards and two touchdowns mm-hmm. because that's just what happens against the Packers. Jameis Winston's coming back. That obviously, you know, when people said that going to Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to be an upgrade, it was kind of comical. I, I I mean, I don't think people watched Ryan Fitzpatrick in 2016 throw the football He wasn't horrible. Evans remained afloat like he wasn't bad. But I think this is the week where he goes for 100 yards, two touchdowns. The Packers have allowed six wide receivers this year to go over 100 yards. They've allowed three different wide receivers to score two touchdowns against them. So uh, what was your take on Evans or is there someone else that you're looking to pay up for?
1: Yeah, Evans is interesting. And I think that game has some sneaky shootout potential. Um, you know, both defenses, especially in the past defense are really bad. Uh, and it doesn't matter where Evans lines up on the field. He's going to be going against a cornerback who has uh, a coverage grade at PFF of lower than 50. <laughs> so like yeah. all of, all of those cornerbacks are bad. So, uh, it's a really nice spot for him. Uh, so I can definitely see merit there. Um, I think Cooper cup is going to be someone who's fairly popular going against Arizona. I'm assuming that Patrick Peterson is going to be shadowing Sammy Watkins, uh, no Robert Woods once again. Uh so Cup has I think been on like the precipice of some big performances but you know he dropped uh a pass in the end zone earlier in the season and then he fumbled right at the goal line you know like there were a few things that if if they had gone just a little bit differently uh people would be talking about like Cooper Cup and like his breakout season instead of him just being like an okay rookie um but i think he's having a pretty good year and then especially with woods out uh cup is going to get more targets especially because no one is going to want to throw to peterson so uh he's
0: someone i i really like i like him and it's funny when i when i first started going through the pricing i saw him and i was like i was mad that they raised his price so much uh, because last week he was such a value at it was uh forty nine hundred, five thousand right there, I think. Uh so to see him jump up like fifteen hundred in salary, that that kinda sucked because I really like Stefan Diggs, who is actually a couple hundred mm-hmm. cheaper. The reason I like I like Diggs is because like the Falcons this year haven't really been a shutdown defense. They've been kind of like a bend-but-don't-break type defense. And because of that, they've allowed plenty of top 36 wide receivers. And they may be without Desmond Trufant, who's in concussion protocol. That would leave uh, Robert Alford matching up with Stephon Diggs the majority of the time. And it's not even his normal side of the field. I think they would ask him to fill that role. If they don't, they're playing a backup cornerback against Stephon Diggs, and that's never going to end Great for your team. The, the, the matchup is on turf. I just feel like it's been overdue. Like like it's been coming for a long time. Where Adam Thielen has been seeing a lot of targets. Diggs has been seeing consistent, uh, like six, seven, eight targets, but he's never gotten to that like twelve target level uh, under Case Keenum. I just think one of those blow up weeks are coming. It's sixty two hundred. Is he my favorite cash play? I like him. I mean, obviously if Trufant's out, I do think he's cash viable. Uh, do you have any strong feelings on Diggs? No,
1: I mean, I, I definitely, I hear what you're saying. Um, Diggs always makes me just a little uneasy because it's not as if he's like just a boom or bust player, but um, the I think the big benefit that he gives is that he can break off those long those long touchdowns. But he hasn't been doing that quite as consistently. And, you know, some of that is maybe because of mm-hmm. lingering effects from the injury he had earlier in the year. But um if I have to go with one of those guys, I think I prefer Thielen. Uh, maybe a little more in cash just because I think the target volume will be there a little bit more for him. I think Mm -hmm. maybe for me, Diggs would be more of a GPP play.
0: Yeah. Thielen is definitely a strong play. I have him up there, but 7,500, obviously I'm going to play Evans. So to play both of those guys, it's going to be really tough to do so. Um, Against Indy, I I like uh, Marquise Lee. Marquise Lee is going to be... I would say lower owned than he should be uh, just because he's coming off a one catch 13-yard performance against Patrick Peterson. Again, don't you might as well just like seriously scrape that away from their stats for the year because Patrick Peterson has shut down some really good receivers. Marquise Lee the last time they played had six targets, uh, 72 yards, he did not score, but since that time, they've lost Malik Hooker. They're starting free safety, who had three interceptions earlier in the year. Uh they've they cut Vontae Davis, and now Rashawn Melvin is going to be out. They're the the only cornerback that they had playing, you know, semi- semi-decent above average level, and he's out. Marquise Lee, the only concern is that the Jags run away with this game. And that's why I obviously like Leonard Fournette so much. But I think when they do throw, I think Marquise Lee is like I mean, if he gets six, seven targets, he should provide value at his price, right?
1: Yeah, it's interesting, and
0: I mean, as you mentioned, he had the tough matchup
1: with Patrick Peterson last week, and the week before that, he was also shadowed, shadowed by Jason McCourty, who is also a a pretty strong cornerback, uh, at least uh, you know in PFF ratings. So uh, two consecutive tough matchups. I mean, the, the thing is I never want to trust a receiver who has to rely on Blake Bortles to throw (laughs) the ball to him, you know, (laughs) like it just, so like for me, Lee is a guy and it's, it's probably a, a bias that I have, but he's a guy that I like, I never want to rely on anyone, uh, in cash who has to rely on Blake Bortles. And then for GPPs, I just, I don't know if Marquise Lee has the upside, to warrant inclusion. So he's kind of a guy who just always gets crossed off my list. And it, it, it might be a bad process. Like I totally admit that might be like a, a, an inefficiency that I have. But there are just certain guys that I just want nothing to do with, even if they do have a reasonable chance of returning value.
0: And Lee is just one of those guys for me. I've hundred. I, I know exactly where you're coming from. So maybe it's a, a, a fault by both of us, because I've said on this show before where I'm like, you know, I like this guy, but I don't think he has a high enough ceiling for a tournament. And I don't think he's safe enough for cash. And maybe that's where he falls in that territory. It's like Corey Davis this week. Like we like him, but we don't like him enough to play him in cash. And does he have the upside in tournaments with the way that, you know, Marcus Mariota has been throwing the ball? I don't know. What about, I, I'm going to bring up a couple names here. Demarius Thomas is 5,300. Obviously, they're playing against Miami. He's going to match up with Xavier Howard, who has been really, really struggling as of late. He's 5,300. The the issue is that he's tied to Trevor Simeon, and I understand that some people are worried about that. But if you go back to when Tim and Simeon were playing, he was pretty consistent. Uh, The only game that he really struggled is Oakland uh, and then the Chargers. Oakland is a divisional team. They stopped him again the next time. The Chargers, Casey Hayward has been like lights out this year. He's really good. So... I think Demarius Thomas at fifty three hundred is cash game viable. He's someone that I would not want to use in a tournament, but I think he's safe for cash.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that's that's interesting, and I, I don't have the stats right in front of me, but uh, one of our guys at Fantasy Labs, Ian Harditz, did the the work on this. Uh, I believe that Emmanuel Sanders, who's four hundred cheaper on DraftKings, has actually been more productive than Thomas when matched up with Simeon. Uh, so I think of the two, I actually would maybe go with Sanders over Thomas, but, uh, I I think the, the bigger point is that there's, there is like sneaky offensive potential with that offense. And so whether you want access to it, uh, in cash games, because those guys are cheap or whether you choose to kind of go that route, uh, with some GPP exposure, I I think it's fine. Uh, but either Sanders or Thomas, I, I, like, I understand it.
0: What about Devontae Parker and Marquise Goodwin? Obviously, you know, these are not guys that we would typically want to play in cash, but their price has come down so much. Uh, Marquise Goodwin tied to Jimmy Garoppolo. That should help. The Bears have really, really struggled against number one receivers. Again, I don't know if we can consider Goodwin a number one receiver, but they've really struggled with that. Um, and then obviously Devontae Parker, he's 4500 His price has come down massively. Jay Cutler's back. The Broncos are going to be without Aqib Talib, Therefore, the matchup is not nearly as bad as it once was.
1: Yeah, not for cash. Um, I think more for GPPs.
0: Any cheap wide receivers that you'd consider in cash, like under five k? Mm,
1: not, not really. Not the, not this week.
0: Yeah, this week is a really tough one. Yeah, last week I can create lineups with like I was I, I was sitting there with like you know over a thousand dollars, fifteen hundred in my lineup, and I felt good about it. This week is it's it's a grind, man. You're trying to squeeze everything you can out of them, so tight end position it's another one it's really tough this week I, there's nobody there's the only cheap tight ends that i like i really don't like uh charles clay and julius thomas i think those the 4100 and 3500 but i don't feel great about playing them in cash so i'm probably going to pay 4700 for hunter henry is that i mean i don't I don't know where you're yeah. leaning kelsey's obviously a great play but i don't know if i could spend seven thousand at the tight end position
1: yeah um one guy who's actually popping in our models especially on DraftKings is Austin Hooper. Um just because he is so cheap at 3400 um but uh I don't <laughs> I I don't know. I, I think <laughs> just you know like I I don't want to go with a guy who's not getting the target volume. Uh so yeah, I mean I think Hunter Henry Jared Cook is someone um people are going to look at a lot because sure. I mean it's unfortunate that his price has escalated so much and uh you know especially DraftKings in comparison to FanDuel but you know they priced him up because of the matchup against the Giants who are allowing the most fantasy points in the league to tight ends but even with that Cook has a lot of upside with no Amari Cooper and no uh Michael Crabtree to catch passes and the thing is Cook up to this point in the season, he's lined up primarily in the slot and out wide. Like, so he's basically just another wide receiver in that offense. So uh, I don't know. He's someone, if you have the ability to pay up, uh, he's someone who is interesting. And then of course, Hunter Henry. Yeah. 4,700 against Cleveland. Uh, The Browns, you know, this isn't like (laughs) a one year thing. They've been bad against tight ends for like multiple seasons. So since 2005, they've – sorry, not 2005, 2015, they've allowed the most uh, touchdowns in the league to tight ends. I believe the number is now 32 in 43 games, which is just a really high number. Hunter Henry, I understand why there could be some trepidation with him because he's been inconsistent this year. Mm -hmm. But one thing about him is that he's actually pretty consistently beat up defenses that are poor against tight ends. So uh, I think this is a spot where you – I mean – let me look at it this way: the Chargers could run the ball a lot against Cleveland, but uh, you know when they get in close, they could throw it to Hunter Henry. And the Chargers, uh, based on work that Ben Gretch has done at Rotoviz and then at Fantasy Labs, he has an article that comes out each week looking at uh, expected touchdown equity. Uh, the Chargers have the most touchdown equity through the air this week based on their Vegas lines. I think some of that could go to Hunter Henry, so I definitely see the value in going with him at forty seven hundred.
0: Yeah, he's probably the one I'm going to go with. Uh, the Browns, you, you mentioned it, you know, and some people like they talk about, you know, oh, this team's going to realize that they have something wrong and they're going to fix it. The Browns have been so wrong, so bad for so long against the tight end position. They just can't fix it. They don't have the personnel to fix it. The, the scheme obviously allows for it. We're now entering week 13. There's only been two starting tight ends who have scored less than double digit PPR points against the Browns. And, the, <laughs> and one was Ryan Griffin. He scored 8.2 PPR points. And the other one was Jack Doyle in a weird week for him that he didn't but that's what i'm saying is just this matchup is just so good hunter henry he has seen more production when mike williams was not on the field and obviously we know mike williams is is likely not to going to play in this week has has a sprained mcl so I like Hunter Henry. He's going to be my cash game tight end. I like uh, that.
1: That's a good data point right there, the split with Mike Williams. One thing just to
0: add in, it's going to be so tilting when Antonio Gates gets that touchdown. <laughs> Gates is down to like 15 snaps a game. He's just not playing anymore. I know. I'm guessing he came back for the record, and that's fine. But this this Chargers team we talked about on the show yesterday, they're like a dark horse, man. There's really... There's not many weaknesses with this team right now. Like they're they're playing better against the run. Their their is obviously playing legit. Trevor Williams has looked really good opposite Casey Hayward. Their pass rush is great. They're running the ball with Eckler and Gordon. I mean, they're hitting on all cylinders. And they're blocking very well. So yeah, good team to watch.
1: Yeah, um, definitely.
0: Any defenses? I mean, this is. They've made it so difficult on DraftKings recently, where the defense is just you. You end up paying up because you just don't feel great. I mean, the Raiders at thirty one hundred. Do you trust them against Geno Smith? I mean, the Raiders' defense has been really, really bad this year. But we're talking about Geno Smith starting for quarterback. Or do you pay up for the Chargers or Jags?
1: Uh, yeah, not super interested in the Raiders. Although I, I definitely get it. And I mean, one thing that makes them more enticing is that what what matters most actually uh, is the spread. Um, not the opponent implied total. So I think most people would look and be like, oh, this team is, you know, by Vegas, they're implied to score only like 16 points. I, I want the defense going against them. But what really matters is the spread because if a team is projected to be ahead, they're in that pass rushing situation uh they have the opportunity for uh more interceptions, uh more uh more sacks, more uh strip fumbles, you know. So they just have more things going for them. Um so in that regard, you have the Raiders at home as 10 point favorites. So that is something that really is in their favor. So I can understand why you would go with the Raiders, but I mean that pass defense is so bad. And they have only one interception on the year. (laughs) I know it was last week. (laughs) So, uh, I can understand why you wouldn't go for it. Um, paying up. So I, I think, I think a lot of it has to do with roster construction. Um, if you can pay up for the Chargers and the Jags, I think you go for it. If not, I think the Raiders, uh, I think that's a fine option.
0: All right. Good deal. And that's for cash. Those are the three defense I would consider. And I'm probably going to try and squeeze in the Chargers because I just think it's like a can't miss situation. Um, but let's talk some tournament plays this is the better part for me. Like cash is like, it's all safe and whatnot, but these are the players that we're trying to help people win a million dollars. Like you, you almost need an opt. So we talked about this with Jeff Ratcliffe on uh, last week's episode. And I think it was, it hit home with me is that sometimes we overthink it in tournaments is that we try and go contrarian and play so many different players, but he's like, you know, drew Dinkmeyer won a tournament uh, a couple weeks ago and he basically played chalk the entire time. Like, and he had one player who was 2% owned and he won, you know, he won a lot of money. So, talking about that you just need to find that one player so that's what we're trying to do uh a lot of times when we're talking about some lower priced running backs or wide receivers just so you guys know at home that's why we do that so i love drew Brees this week um is there any reason that i shouldn't love drew Brees against carolina he this is a team that people kind of overlook because carolina has been pretty good against the past this year but drew Brees has crushed them crushed them the last two years and it's the same exact defense that he's seen So
1: I get what you're saying about Breeze. The one thing that gives me hesitation is that he's not throwing the ball nearly as much as he did last year. Uh, especially in the red zone. So I think his ability to get touchdowns is a little bit diminished just because when they get in the red zone, they have those two running backs who are capable of scoring touchdowns. So uh, I get the enthusiasm with Breeze and he does have the ability at any point to have a 300 yard, three touchdown game. But um, I don't know, against that, that tougher defense in Carolina, I think I'm probably going to have limited exposure in GPPs.
0: Well, it's funny you just mentioned that because, like, so they've given up. There's been three quarterbacks to throw for at least 300 yards against them this year, and there's been three quarterbacks to throw for three touchdowns against them this year. Breeze was actually one of those quarterbacks, and this was outdoors on the road in Carolina. It's a divisional game. They obviously know the teams really well. Breeze, uh, 220 yards, three touchdowns. It was obviously the way that they chose to attack them. And if you go back to last year in 2016, again, not not much has changed about these two teams. The Saints defense has obviously gotten a lot better. But the Panthers defense, I would argue that it's probably slightly worse than it was last year, but it's close. It's it's the same defense as Ron Rivera's team. Uh, But in the two games against them last year, 750 yards and six touchdowns. So there's something against this Panthers team that obviously they take advantage of. James Bradbury has not been the same cornerback. That he was last year, Michael Thomas is way overdue for a breakout game. Like touchdown regression is going to go in his favor before long. I, I dig this matchup. I just feel like, you know, seeing that he only had to throw the ball twenty nine times in week three to get those results, that was his third best game of the year. I just feel like people have kind of forgotten about Breeze. They're moving on to different players. Uh, maybe they'll play Keith Keenum instead of him or something like that. But I think that he's a awesome tournament play. But in cash, I I wouldn't go that way. But tournaments, I like him. Who's your favorite tournament quarterback?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to say. Similar to Cash, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, I think Brady and Rivers uh, are still probably the guys that I'd be most interested in. Um, both of those – so, in our models, we have uh, ceiling projections uh, as well as median projections. And so, Brady, I think, unsurprisingly, uh, leads the slate with the highest ceiling projection. So, mm-hmm. I think uh, – at quarterback, at least, it might be a spot where I prefer to eat some chalk and then try to differentiate at other positions. So I think it's probably still Brady and Rivers for me. Both of those guys have high uh, high ceilings, uh, especially mm-hmm. Rivers going against that uh, that Browns secondary that allows a lot of points is is really inefficient. And although they have Jason McCourty uh, and they, they sometimes use him in shadow coverage, he doesn't go into the slot. So he's not going to be on Keenan Allen. So, uh, or at least I expect he's not going to be on Keenan Allen. So I think Rivers still has a pretty good matchup there.
0: Yeah, I agree that Rivers is a solid tournament play and cash. I'd be worried about a little bit about Melvin Gordon, but in tournaments, I think that's fine. I'm, I'm sure he'll be owned. Uh, Cam Newton, uh, I'm not, especially if Marshawn Lattimore is coming back for the Saints, I really don't want to touch him, uh, even though it's hard not to because we know his ceiling. But one player that I really do like in tournaments is Alex Smith. Everybody's talking so bad about Alex Smith and it's really I mean, he's had a bad last two games, but outside of that, he's been relatively safe. Uh, he's been playing really well. He's he's shown a ceiling playing against the Jets. The Jets, as a team, have allowed, I think it's eight quarterbacks to throw multiple touchdown passes against them. They've also allowed five running backs to rush for twenty nine or more yards. That's that's like an under like an underappreciated portion of Alex Smith's game where he actually can run the ball extremely well. It wouldn't shock me to see him run for a touchdown. So at the Jets, I want to pay attention to the wind because obviously the last two weeks it has, uh, hasn't been great in Jersey. So that's something to pay attention to on game day. But then the last player is Jameis Winston. Uh, I-, I talked about him on the show yesterday, so I'm curious to hear your take on Winston. I know he's risky, obviously, coming back from the multi-week absence. But against Green Bay, the matchup doesn't really get too much better.
1: Yeah, I, it's interesting because I was gonna ask about that matchup, both Winston and on the other side of it, Brett Humley. I think some people would maybe have an interest in him just because he, you know, seemed to uh I don't know, become a new quarterback last week against the Steelers and he is in that matchup. So yeah, I think either one of those quarterbacks, obviously Winston, much more proven uh and has I think a more reliable weapon in Mike Evans uh going against mm-hmm. Green Bay. Uh, yeah, I definitely like that. And uh, in our models, we have uh, different pro trends. So so trends that have been created by the guys at the site. And Mike, uh, sorry, not Mike Evans. Jameis Winston actually leads all quarterbacks in pro trends. So uh,
0: there's definitely some upside with him. Dig it. And we ta- and you talked about it, but there's some sneaky shootout potential in that game. So I definitely like that call. How about a running back? Like, who are some contrarian plays that some people might not be on? Like, I, I'm not going to touch um, Tevin Coleman. I'm not going to touch Devonta Freeman this week. Yeah. I'm sure there's people going to want to play Coleman, but I'm not doing it against Minnesota.
1: Uh Kareem hunt <laughs> uh, he, he just burned people two weeks in a row in really nice mm-hmm. matchups so I think his ownership is going to be really reduced because of that and you know I think some of it's some of the same logic you know for Alex Smith just in terms of like they've underperformed for a long time but uh, over the course of the season and I think those season long uh, those those season long statistics still matter Kareem hunt is third in scrimmage yards and fifth in touches, but like he's still, he's still getting action. So uh, at some point, I think that has to turn into production. Uh, that's sort of in the middle of what we've seen recently and what we saw at the beginning of the season. Uh, and if he has something that's on the higher end of that spectrum at reduced ownership, that's something that really interests me.
0: Yeah, for sure. And like he's someone I'm with you in that a lot of people are overlooking him. My concern going forward is that they seem to be using him less and less in the passing game, and that's my only concern, is that if Charkendrick West is starting to get those snaps, it's really frustrating. Uh, But I I do think that he's going to be under this week and uh, he, uh, granted he still sits there like he's only been unstartable in season-long leagues like you mentioned one time and it was last week so people have that fresh on their mind he hasn't scored a touchdown since week three so there's obviously his numbers are going to be lacking when you don't score at the running back position it's just going to happen so I actually dig that call uh that people are going to be off of him Jarek McKinnon Mm -hmm. I like Jarek McKinnon this week. I think it's a, you know, Scott Fish is uh, from Minnesota. So I I often like to listen to people that are from the town that watch their team extremely closely, especially when they're in the industry, because they can talk logically about the team and not be homers about it. He has mentioned, he's like, you can always tell when it's going to be a McKinnon or Murray game in this game, setting up in Atlanta, it, it shapes up as a McKinnon game. Atlanta has been the league's worst defense against pass catching running backs. They've allowed, I think it's 72 receptions on the year it's just in a PPR format, it's hard not to like Jarek McKinnon. And we've already seen a ceiling this year.
1: Yeah. That's really interesting. So, and it, like the, um, the inability of the Falcons to defend running backs in the passing game is like a multi-year thing. Like it extends yes. to last year too. So it's not as if this is like a, a short term thing. So, uh, I definitely understand that. The one the one thing that is really unfortunate about McKinnon is that he is losing those goal line touches to Latavius Murray. Mm-hmm. But uh I think in the end that will just drive down his ownership. And if he's able to score some long touchdowns or just steal one of those goal line carries, then there's a lot of upside there for him.
0: Yeah. So like hear this. So Atlanta, they've allowed four top ten running backs this year. The list of running backs that they allowed top 10 performances to were Tariq Cohen, Ty Montgomery. Christian McCaffrey and James yeah. White. That's it. <laughs> that, that 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 tells me it's a McKinnon game like he's going to catch at least 5 passes in this game. The the wide receivers I do like, but I think that McKinnon's going to be one of those guys that's like Maybe five percent owned. Like I just don't think he's gonna be a very like favorite option because a lot of people are gonna go down to what I'm hearing is the chalk and Jamal Williams, although I think it's bad chalk. I don't I don't like Jamal Williams this week. Am I wrong? No, I don't
1: I don't think so. Um I mean I can see the case for it because you know he should get the volume, presumably. Um, although there there are some rumblings that Aaron Jones might be returning, but um right. yeah, I can I can see the reason for staying away from Jamal Williams. I mean, what are your thoughts? We mentioned them earlier, Dion Lewis versus Rex Burkhead uh, and then some people would maybe throw James White in there um, I'm I think a little more on Burkhead because especially for tournaments because I think he has the capability of still getting goal line carries but then also you know getting like five to eight targets in a game so
0: uh, I don't mind pairing him with Brady and GVPs. I love that. And that's the thing is some people might be think Burkhead's going to be overowned. I don't think so. People are still scared to p- play Patriots running backs. I think Deion Lewis is someone to consider more in cash just because he offers you a high floor with what he does. But if you're looking for a ceiling, I don't think I would want to play Deion Lewis in a tournament. He's just not doing anything through the air. The only game that he really did was the game that uh, Burkhead went to the bench for a little bit because of his fumble. But that was really telling. The fact that Burkhead fumbled in week 11 against Oakland. And, you know, he he got put in timeout for a little bit. But then last week, Bill Belichick goes and he trusts him in goal line situations over and over and over again. So uh, Rex Burkhead is definitely the one I prefer in in a tournament. I also think that this could be the week where Duke Johnson gets a lot of a a big run because the Chargers have been stopping the run better than people think. People look at, you know, that they're the 29th ranked defense against running backs that was re- that really stems from the beginning of the season. They they were really bad against running backs, they were allowing tons of carries, but recently they've they've stopped running backs on first and second down. I think Duke Johnson this is the week where we could see him use more than Isaiah Crowell. I know they've been talking about it for quite some time, but at 4800 in this matchup where it's the game script favors him so much. So many people are putting attention on Josh Gordon and uh it is Josh Gordon week after all and uh, Corey Coleman Those two are matched up with two excellent cornerbacks this week. So Duke Johnson could see a ton of checkdowns. Obviously, a lot of running backs have caught five or more passes against the Chargers. I just feel like this is a matchup where where Duke Johnson might be underappreciated.
1: I absolutely love it. Duke Johnson is one of the pivot plays that I mentioned in um, the Roto World article I do each week. And it's like the same logic. And I also think he makes a nice pivot play on on and Drake, who's just a hundred dollars more expensive and could potentially be chalky there. But yeah, everything that you mentioned, uh, they're going to be down. Uh, I mean, Duke Johnson already gets more snaps than Isaiah Crowell. Um, he leads the team in targets and receptions and yards receiving, uh, in touchdowns from scrimmage and yeah, game script is going to be in his favor, given that they are such big dogs. So I definitely like that play there.
0: Awesome. I, I love it. We're on the same page, man. I, I also have, I want one more player before we move to wide receiver. I want you to, I want you to talk about Carlos Hyde and what you think about him this week, because I lo- here's the thing. We've seen the targets, right? Like he's targeted ridiculous. It was 13 targets last week, which is just off the charts. That doesn't happen unless you're Le'Veon Bell. Even in that case, it doesn't happen. But Carlos Hyde, he's going to lose some of that with Garoppolo. I don't think that Garoppolo is going to check down nearly as much as Beathard did. But they're playing against a Bears defense that's lost so many players to injury. It is in Chicago. The weather here has it hasn't been bad. It's like it's going to be in like the 40s, I think, on Sunday. So. What do you think about Hyde? I think he's going to be in more scoring positions than ever. Like, I, you know, with Beathard, it was more relying on the PPR points, but Carlos Hyde hasn't scored in a while. I think this is a week where he could find the end zone.
1: Yeah, I like it. Like, I don't think the the move to Garoppolo really hurts him at all. Because I think even if you assume that he will lose some targets, one, it's possible that he might not. Like Shanahan likes to have his quarterbacks give the ball to running backs uh, through the passing game. That's something that he does. But then two, even if Hyde loses those targets, we should probably see more efficiency pickup overall with that offense. Like I don't think Garoppolo is going to be worse than Bethard, right? So if we assume that the offense is better, as you mentioned, that should put Hyde in more positions to score. Uh, that should give him some more carries. So yeah, I mean, I think Hyde is a guy who is just for his career been
0: undervalued, but I definitely yeah. like the spot for him. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, Moving over to wide receiver, I, I don't know how we didn't mention him in the cash portion because he's definitely cash worthy and DeAndre Hopkins oh, yeah. playing against Tennessee, against Tennessee. I don't know how I overlooked that one, but so DeAndre Hopkins he murdered this team last time they played. He caught ten balls for 107 yards and a touchdown. Adoree Jackson, Adoree Jackson, sorry, uh, he has not been very good. They've been trusting in in some shadow situations lately, and obviously you've seen what's happened with uh, Antonio Brown. DeAndre Hopkins can eat this guy's lunch. He could take his lunch money. He can do whatever he wants with him. At 7,300, I think he's tournament worthy as well.
1: Oh, definitely. I hope they they use him in shadow coverage like that would yes. that would be amazing <laughs> um i mean that, i think that would last for only like a half or something and then they would make an adjustment and be like no we can't put this guy one on one with hopkins <laughs> um what is fantastic and it's unfortunate that like this opportunity has basically dried up now but people uh fading hopkins after watson was injured um you know people were off of Hopkins for you know maybe 2 or 3 weeks and the thing is like Hopkins has been one of the best receivers in NFL history to start his career like with a hodgepodge of horrible quarterbacks yeah like he's used to catching passes from guys who shouldn't be throwing. So it's not as if like the drop from Watson to Savage was going to ruin Hopkins. It was unfortunate. I mean it definitely diminished his upside, but uh Hopkins still is getting lots of volume. Um, he's still getting the ball in situations where it's one-on-one and all he has to do is just out muscle, uh, you know, a smaller defensive back and he can grab it. So there's still a lot to like about him. Yeah, I definitely like Hopkins. And as you mentioned in, in cash games, definitely still viable for me.
0: Yeah, no, so it's a fun fact that I I kind of discovered while doing the primer this week. <laughs> he actually averages 13 more yards per game with Tom Savage than he did with Deshaun Watson. Yeah. So, take that as you will. He's only averaging two fewer PPR points per game, so it's not like it's much. This matchup is fantastic. So, yeah, there's definitely no reason to run away from him in this matchup. DeVonte Adams is really interesting. His price hasn't really caught up with his production as of late. Again, we talked about this game having sneaky shootout potential. Tampa Bay has been awful. Like, uh, against wide receivers... I think it's up to there have been 18 wide receivers now who have finished as top 24 options against them. Devontae Adams, uh, the last couple of weeks, like he's he's caught at least eight uh, or he saw, he's seen at least eight targets in each of the last four games. He's he's putting fantasy points up on the board at 6,500. He feels like he's discounted.
1: Yeah. And one of the things about him is that uh, he's not just getting the targets. He's getting targets still in the red zone uh, right now. He's second in the league uh, with 19 targets in the red zone. So, um, you know, with Aaron Rodgers, that was more what you would have seen out of Jordy Nelson, but mm-hmm. Nelson isn't getting those targets. I mean, I think at some point we should see some progression in terms of touchdowns for Nelson, but right now Adams is the guy who's getting targets and he's getting them where it matters most. So, uh, I definitely like that. And as you mentioned in a, in a shootout spot against a defense that has given up production to the passing game if you're looking to stack with Winston and Evans, I definitely like running it back on the other side with Adams and trying to get that game stack correlation in a shootout.
0: Yeah, no, definitely dig that. Going down further, uh, I know I mentioned him earlier, but Devontae Parker, we talked about it and you said no in cash. What about in tournaments? Him and Kenny Stills, do you have any interest in those two? Yeah,
1: In, in tournaments, yeah. I mean, I think it's unfortunate that Cutler came back. Is as, as weird as that might sound. I mean,
0: it, <laughs> for Stills, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it's yeah. It's not as if like Matt Moore has done anything fantastic, but Cutler hasn't really either. But yeah, Cutler probably is bigger for Parker. Um, And as you mentioned, no Akib Talib, and it's not as if even with Talib that defense was doing anything great. Um, and they're weak, especially uh, at, at the safety position. Uh, So their starting safeties have given up, I mean, yeah. I was kind of including in that the guy who uh transitions Will Parks from like safety to linebacker but even just their two safeties uh give up six touchdowns on the year uh allow a lot of uh, completed passes so if you're looking for someone to to target deep uh Parker has the capability to beat both of those guys and and Denver already allows the most touchdowns in the league uh in terms of receiving so yeah for for GBP's definitely don't mind him
0: Yeah. And then a couple of like, let's talk about some, like some of the guys that are the one or two percenters, the ones that not many people have in their lineup. They might, you know, I think Marquise Goodwin, I think that that's a solid play at 4,000. I also the totally off the radar one, the one that's going to be half percent owned. Nobody's talking about them. They're all talking about Cordero Patterson and Seth Roberts, but Johnny Holton. Yeah. 3,400. Uh, against the Giants, this is a Giants team that's been beat deep over and over and over and over again, and they just lost Janoris Jenkins for the year. So, I mean, that's he's their number one corner. I know he hasn't been playing great as of late, but Johnny Holton on the year, this guy has only seen six targets. He's caught four of them for 161 yards and two touchdowns. He's not going to be owned. I mean, I I just feel like this is this is a dream spot. I mean, if you're a player like him against the Giants, this is. I mean, no Amari Cooper, no Michael Crabtree. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think all he has to do is go from maybe like half a target per game to three targets per game. (laughs) And like that dramatically increases his chances of getting a touchdown. And like, if he scores, it's not going to be like a one yard touchdown. It's going to be like a 50 yard bomb, you know, and like that will pay value. So he's interesting. On the other side of that matchup, I'm actually interested in Sterling Shepard. you know, I, I don't think I would want to stack him with Geno Smith, but I think Shepard is a guy who's going to have fairly low ownership, but you know, similar situation. No Odell Beckham, no Brandon Marshall. Um, he, you know, just in terms of the wide receivers on that team, should be the guy who gets the most target share. And right now we have him projected for really low ownership. Uh, just because of Geno Smith, I don't think people are gonna want to touch him. So he's someone who's interesting.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, that's the thing is, I don't, I I think we're on, we're trending towards the way that Shepard's going to play. Have they announced that he's like for sure going to play now? I don't think so. But I think we have a probable, like, I think he's going to play. Gotcha. So, yeah, I I heard that the migraine started to go away, which is obviously good news because it was turning into like this Percy Harvey Harvin situation. Um, Another name, uh, a couple names, Michael Thomas, Tyreek Hill. I think that those two are in good spots, but they're not going to be very low owned. Is there anybody down like down the board in like the 4000 and under range that you have your eye on uh, for like a solid tournament play that might be under 5% owned?
1: Under 5% owned. Not real well, I mean, uh, can I interest you in some t y Hilton <laughs> I mean like you know, I mean, not really, um, but he's he's gonna have low ownership, you know, like around one percent or so uh he's mm-hmm. forty eight hundred I mean it's just he's going against the Jacksonville Jaguars, like he's gonna see Jalen Ramsey and a j Boye. but I mean, the one thing and it just it kills me that they don't do this they need to move Hilton into the slot especially for this matchup. It's not as if Aaron Colvin is bad, but he's not, you know, he's not AJ Bouye or Jalen Ramsey. So uh, Hilton does see some action in the slot. So that's like the one thing I would cling to is like, this is a guy who does have the capability of putting up like a hundred yards and a touchdown in any game. And if they choose to give him just a few more snaps in the slot, like one of those could turn into a long touchdown.
0: That's very. It's very interesting because like when Andrew Luck was playing, they did run Ty Hilton out of the slot an awful lot. Yeah. So I don't know if things have changed just because they kind of have to with personnel. Dante Moncrief has been a really big disappointment. Now Chester Rogers is starting to play a little bit more. Um, I actually don't mind the call because Hilton's a type of player. Where he just needs one play. That's it. Like if he breaks an eighty-yard touchdown, he has your value and there's your player. That's. I, I don't see him being higher than a couple percent owned, and yeah. he's only forty-eight hundred. So he's got that explosion, that one play potential. He should be targeted more than other players who are kind of in that range that you feel weird about. I mean, Deshaun Jackson, maybe at 4,700, but he's going to be higher owned than T.Y. Hilton. Yeah,
1: I I think he's going to have higher ownership. for sure. I mean, I think one guy you mentioned earlier, Devontae Parker, he's in that price range. I think he's going to have ownership probably under 5%. Uh, Another guy who's interesting, um, Tyrell Williams. Uh, going against Cleveland. So a nice matchup for him. I don't think he's going to see a lot of um, uh, McCarty, although it it is possible, but I think he's going to have low ownership, like less than 5%. And so I like him as like a a somewhat contrarian stacking partner with Rivers.
0: I'm actually really like wondering how they're going to do that. If McCarty is going to shadow uh, Keenan Allen, because McCarty hasn't really gone into the slot very much. And Keenan Allen plays half of the snaps out of the slot. So I was thinking that maybe Tyrell Williams would see shadow coverage, because and that would make Travis Benjamin kind of like an under the radar play.
1: That's interesting. Yeah,
0: so like if, if for whatever reason let's pretend that Keenan Allen does what he does. Brian Body Calhoun has actually been better out in the slot than people think he has been. But yeah. like and this is like the, the has the whole revenge narrative too with Travis Benjamin, so it's always fun. Uh, but but seriously, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Travis Benjamin, great. I think like if if like if you're making if you're one of those that's playing in like you're building fifty different lineups or something like that, hundred fifty lines, whatever you're doing, I think throwing Travis Benjamin in a couple of them is like the the one percenter. I think it it might pay off. Like he he's another guy that needs just one or two big plays and he hits value. Yeah,
1: that's interesting. I mean, we have to just like in some obligatory fashion mention like Josh Gordon. Like, <laughs> no, I'm not gonna, I mean, people are gonna be on him. You know, just because they like, they want the narrative. They want him to have a <laughs> yeah, massive game and his first game back. But it is just such a suboptimal spot for him. Not even like taking into account that Deshaun Kaiser is the guy throwing him the quarterback. <laughs> and of all of the crappy quarterbacks that uh, he's had to deal with in his career, Kaiser is probably the worst. So it's like, hey, welcome back to Cleveland. Here's another crap quarterback for you. <laughs> but like, it, like, the defensive matchup is what is really hard. Hard like uh Trevor Williams has been so good yes. on the other side of, of Hayward that they're not even using Hayward anymore in shadow coverage, like they don't need to. Mm-hmm. So uh wherever Gordon is lining up, even in the slot, like Desmond King has been good. So wherever he lines up, I mean, it's not as if he can't beat any cornerback in the league, but we don't know if he can do it yet. Like we haven't seen him play in three years. Yep. So
0: it is a tough matchup, like as tough as it gets for him. Yeah. My advice on Josh Gordon, just sit back and enjoy the game. If he goes off, it's our treat, right? You know, and if he doesn't, then it's like, okay, it was his first game back in three years. Weir- three years. What did we really expect? You know? So I'm, I'm a hundred percent with you. I'm not going to have any Josh Gordon. Yeah. Uh, Although I have to say, I'm going YOLO
1: with him in my uh, Scott fish bowl. <laughs> Well, I mean, you could do that there. You could do that.
0: Yeah, because yeah. I need him. I definitely need him. <laughs> it's at the point in the year where, where sometimes we have to count on this, and especially when you're playing in leagues like I play in certain leagues where we start five wide receivers. So um, obviously he's a play in those. I have him right around the number 45 receiver in my rankings this week. So uh, it's not very high. Uh, but all right, before we close this thing out, any tight ends that we didn't talk about that, that we should hit on uh, that you feel like? okay, maybe you should go contrarian this way and just play this guy because is there anybody like that? I, I, I really don't feel great about any tight ends this week.
1: Uh, you know, I think you mentioned earlier, uh, Julius Thomas, Yeah. uh, and it's sort of disgusting, but he's going to have low ownership and he does have that really nice matchup. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that's, that's one place where I would maybe be contrarian. I mean, he's going to have like 1% ownership. Yep. Um, so I, I see him as someone who can provide some differentiation for your lineups. And then, uh, another guy, Eric Ebron. Yes. I, I feel disgusting saying that. Like it, dude. But, um, you know, he's getting almost five targets per game since Detroit's week seven bye, and, uh, going against the Ravens who are really stout in pass defense, except at the tight end position. Uh, so I could see him having some potential there, but all of these are, uh, you know, I think highly speculative one more <laughs> Mercedes Lewis. Um, and I, I mean, it's enough to make you want to throw up, but you know, like <laughs> the Jags are 10 point home favorites and the Colts are 29th and past DVOA against tight ends. And Lewis does lead the team pretty handily, uh, in receiving touchdowns. So you know, again, another guy who's going to have like less than one percent ownership, uh, and so I, I think at some point there's enough touchdown equity to go around that you know one of those guys has a pretty decent chance of scoring a touchdown, and when he does, you know, he gives your lineup some viability, uh, you know, at no ownership. So I think that's the 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 key. Uh, is to try to find one of those
0: guys the funny thing is is (laughs) Mercedes lewis we all laugh right but at the same time this is a guy so the last time they played the colts he he actually caught two passes for 29 yards and a touchdown and he should have had two touchdowns he actually dropped one uh so it should it should have been three catches for like 32 yards and two touchdowns is what it should have been against the colts and that that's definitely a possibility from happening with with how often they allow multiple passing touchdowns so I, I like the call, man. I think Ebron's a solid one, two against the Ravens. The Ravens just haven't seen very much volume against tight ends, which is why you don't see so many fantasy points given up. But the, but the targets that they have seen, they've really struggled on. So I think that's a solid call. Um, but yeah, the defenses, there's really not much that I think we have to go off of. We talked a, about a couple options, uh, but when you're playing in tournaments, you kind of have to have exposure to two ones is there anything in particular you look for in a defense and gpp that you're just kind of like i really want to be playing is it, is it something with the spreads is there something that you pay attention to
1: uh yeah uh, pay attention to the spreads and then also just try to go away from um the chalkier plays and i mean if i can maybe stack in some ways uh if it makes sense uh, i mean a defense that i i think works this week uh the patriots um you know they're playing much better they have that huge spread uh so it's you know and they're playing against i mean Tyrod hasn't been especially turnover prone mm-hmm. um so that might be something where you wouldn't want to go with them but i mean they they do have the potential to score some defensive touchdowns and their ownership is going to be much lower than what we see out of uh some of the other defenses um who have that big spread and have the potential to score touchdowns and and create sacks and stuff like that. So uh, I think they will be low enough owned and they're cheap enough where uh, I think it makes sense to take some exposure on them.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. It's something I'll look into. I, I I wish they were at home during that game, but I don't think it's a bad yeah. one, though. The options that they have to throw to aren't great. Uh, Charles Clay is the only one that I really think that can do some damage. LaShawn McCoy hasn't, I don't think he's going to top 12 carries in this game. He hasn't been used too much in the passing game with Javaris Cadet. So knowing that Tyrod Taylor might get benched in the first half if they're down three touchdowns, and then they bring out Peterman, right. we know how that ends. So yeah. it's, it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility. So I, I like it. uh. But unfortunately, we are out of time for the show today. I don't know how fast time flies by these shows, man. I have so much fun doing them. So we we appreciate you coming on, Matt. Thanks again. Is there anything that you want to pimp out before we go?
1: Uh, Yeah, you know, just uh, for the people who aren't subscribing to Fantasy Labs, uh, definitely check it out. We have some trials, so you don't have to commit to anything long term. But uh, we have content that comes out uh, every week where we break down quarterbacks running backs uh, you know the different positions uh and then also look at funnel ratings so and, and then of course we have other sports too nba
0: mlb golf nhl so uh definitely everything that you can check out there yeah no for sure it's it's all great tools i can i can promise you that pair that with fantasy pros you can't go wrong so thank you guys as always for listening we look forward to getting bobby back on monday we should have him back for the waiver wire show if not i'll be here i'm not going anywhere thank you guys and until next time lights out I just wanted you to watch me dissolve